Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What up, my homie? Lisa Billy here with another amazing episode of Women of Impact because today, guys, we are finally getting to the bottom of why seemingly interested men will actually just pull away and freaking ghost you. But how the hell are we supposed to decipher their actions? Well, my homie, we've got the realest of the real breaking it down for us today. Yeah, that's right. My dude, Stefan Speaks, he's here to help us decipher whether he's actually serious about you or if he's just trying to get into your pants. Now, Stefan is a certified life and relationship coach on a mission to make relationships happier and more fulfilling. And my man, Stefan, doesn't hold back. That's what I love about him. He's so transparent, he's so honest, and he is the realist. He's honestly saying what women like us need to actually hear if you're trying to find Mr. Right and have a successful relationship. Stefan's wisdom will help you see things from another perspective, and it will help you see things clearer and better so that you can go on to have a loving relationship. My homie, I'm Lisa Villiu, and welcome to Women of Impact. Let's dive in right now with my boy, Stefan Speaks. There's the old adage that says, treat the mean, keep them keen Mm. and so (laughs) why does that manipulative tactic actually work why is it that men can ghost us and then it actually encourages us to try harder so it it starts with people seeking out validation and it's a pride thing It, it eats away at their pride when you reject them or when you ignore them you don't give them what they were hoping for and now to feel better about themselves they go on this pursuit to gain that validation gain that attention but the crazy thing is for many people once they get it they'll go back to realizing you just missed the attention you miss how it made you feel you know or in some instances where the person is being treated mean I think a lot of that also just speaks to the unresolved trauma in a lot of people's lives and how it triggers them in certain ways when people do mistreat them. But again, I think we have to not confuse the fact that it's not simply the mistreatment that keeps them around. It's the high level of desire they have for you despite the mistreatment. Because to say how it is, if an unattractive person met you and treated you bad, you wouldn't automatically be like, oh, I want them now. (laughs) You know, we can't just go around treating people like trash and that's going to make them want us. No, it's the fact that they already wanted that individual. Now, despite being mistreated, it creates this attachment in the situation for a lot of people. But I will say that there's a lot of advice to men that tell them you treat the woman poorly and you're going to be in a better position with her. You know, it's like they say, uh, treat her like a celebrity and she'll treat you like a fan. All right. It's one of the sayings they have out there. And so it's this idea that if you if you give her too much attention, if you show her too much love, respect, all these different things, if you put her on too high of a pedestal, she will essentially start to look down upon you. And now she ends up going to the guy who's not doing all those things. So there is a lot of taught practices that say, no, you have to ignore her. You have to do throw a little mistreatment in there. You, you have to be this certain kind of way. Now, for a woman to differentiate whether it's a tactic or not, I'll say this. The person who's genuinely ghosting you just ghosts you and that's it. The guy who's using it as a tactic, he may still throw out some feelers to try to see if you'll stick around, all right? So women have to consider, okay, how was this man treating me before this action? If he was treating you poorly before he ghosted you, for example, um, then there's reason to believe that this is either him just losing interest or it's a tactic. If he was treating you amazingly well, then he ghosts you. Again, it's tricky because it can still be a tactic or it could just be he backed away because he felt like you weren't showing interest. Because for what a lot of women don't realize is they get so caught up in trying to evaluate the man's actions they forget the role they play in building a relationship. So essentially they meet this man, they want, they have this mindset of, he needs to prove to me that I can give him my time and my energy. And she has this kind of wait and see approach. 
But in doing that, she's not expressing desire. She's not showing him that she's serious about him. And in today's world where so much more men have been hurt before, have been played, are carrying their own trauma, they're going to be sensitive to the fact that you're not reciprocating the effort. So you'll hear these stories of women saying, yeah, this man treated me so great, he was perfect, and then gone, done. And and so her, it's, oh, he was just playing a game this whole time because he was trying to manipulate me. No, he was genuine, but he didn't see anything coming from you. So he figured, let me get out of here before you end up hurting me or someone else came along who was reciprocating his interests. Oh God, this makes so much sense. Okay, so let's <laughs> even go a little deeper then. Um, how do you then prevent getting manipulated in those moments and um, build the validation, because you actually started, right, where there's yeah. like it's a validation thing. How do you start building the validation within yourself so that you're not seeking it from ex somebody external, so that when somebody comes along that actually is treating you well, it isn't filling a hole that's missing? Okay, so let's start with building the validation. So for me, you know, I'm a man of God. So I believe for anyone who's a believer, then going to God and, and strengthening that foundation, that relationship is what's going to help you have that validity that you don't need from other individuals, okay? But I think even if you're not a believer, it's about understanding everyone's not for you. Everyone's not going to be a fit, all right? It doesn't matter who you are. Even the most amazing, beautiful, successful people are disliked by others. We have to understand that's the that's just life. It's just the way it is. So the minute that someone doesn't like you, you don't need validation from them. You know, there's this unfortunate reality where you see it with celebrities or influencers all the time. They could have millions of followers, post something and get thousands of positive, loving, supportive comments. But let there be one negative comment and they're focused on the negative person, okay? And they get caught up in now concerning themselves with this individual or the people who don't like them, who don't support them, and forget, but you had all these other people who do. So for a lot of individuals, it goes back to shifting the mindset to remember those who love you. And of course, making sure you love yourself and not getting so caught up in those who don't and, and, and don't pour into you in those ways because they're not built for that. They're not wired to see your value, to embrace it, to honor it. Just let them go and move on. So I think that when we're trying to create that validation within ourselves, we need to heal because for a lot of people, the seeking of validation stemmed from something they were missing probably in their childhood. All right. They didn't receive that love and validation from their parents. They didn't see that receive that love and validation early in their life. And now they become adults seeking it in the wrong places, which then leads them to, you know, attaching themselves to individuals who don't truly love them. Because you have in some situations where you're seeking it from someone that resembles the person who didn't give it to you in the first place. All right. So I had one client one time where her father was very emotionally distant, emotionally detached. And so she found herself getting with men who were the same way and trying to gain that love and validation from them because it was attached to the issue she had unresolved from her father. So for her, we had to go through the process of flushing that out of your system, addressing those things, healing, forgiving, all that goes along with the healing process for her to finally break that negative cycle. Yeah, God. And so doing that work allows you to break the cycle so that if you get into a relationship with someone and they end up manipulating through ghosting or any other tactic, you're not then chasing. Because I have heard you said, and I actually agree, like um, being thirsty isn't attractive. <laughs> uh -huh. So talk to me about making sure that you're not thirsty. And then for anyone at home that may not understand what that is, if you can break that down. Okay. So for those who don't understand what being thirsty is, it's you can say it's over-pursuit. It, it's showing desperation, all right, in trying to obtain someone, because we're speaking in the context of relationships, mm -hmm. trying to get their attention, trying to win them over, trying to gain a relationship from them, whatever the case may be. Now, I do think a lot of women, they, they're they so concerned with being thirsty, they, they have dry mouth, so to speak. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're not doing anything mm. to show interest and desire. It's, no, no, you have to come after me. And it's like, no, again, relationships are built on two people giving a mutual effort and both doing their part to make it something special. So you can't just say it's all on him. 
But as you mentioned, we don't want you chasing. We don't want you being thirsty. Now, to differentiate those two things, I think where women have to, and just people in general, because I say the same thing to men, you want to make sure you've presented your interests clearly. I think that's that's the least people can do, all right? So it's not about constantly calling them. It's not about going you know, overboard in your actions and trying to gain their attention. But do they even know how you genuinely feel? All right, let's start there. And I think there's this assumption of, like if a woman meets a man and she goes on a date with him, to her it's, well, I must be interested I'm on this date with you. No, because men have been on thousands of dates with women who were just using them in the moment, all right? Who never really saw anything potential. And, and guess what? The same thing happens to a lot of women because a woman could start talking to a man, but for all she knows, all he ever wanted was sex. All he ever wanted was a good time. He wasn't serious. So both parties have a reason to be cautious and to, to question, are you genuinely interested in me? So the more we can be clear about that, the better we have a, an opportunity to see if we have something here. And here's what's, what's interesting I think women overlook. If you are clear about your interests and your desire for, let's say, a real relationship, you will actually scare off a lot of the men who just want sex. Because in today's mm -hmm. world, a lot of men, especially now, see, once upon a time, I think there was more of an inclination for men to play the game, so to speak, because they figured, okay, well, if I don't act like I want a relationship with this woman, I have no chance of getting any action from anyone, right? But the world has gotten a lot more sexually free, so to speak. Um, it's a lot easier in the sense of, women being willing to engage despite not being in a relationship, despite not being married, all of that. And we're not discussing whether that's right or wrong. It's just the reality of the world today. So a lot of men who are just pursuing women for sexual reasons, they have less reason to try to deal with navigating through someone who wants more when they can go to someone who accepts less. Plain and simple. <laughs> So by you simply being forthcoming about, hey, I like you, because I'm telling you, there's a lot of men, if they only want something casual and you say, I really like you, they're like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> this, this, yeah, because they know it's going to be a problem. Don't they, though, and I'm going to play devil's advocate, wouldn't they see the opportunity to go, oh, they like me, see, I can get them into bed? Y yes and no. The, the problem is, again, when you, you expressing you really like them and you want something serious, the fear now, and don't get me wrong, there's going to be some men who are going to view that as, yes, all right, this is my way in, I can get her. But then there's a lot of other men who view this as, all right, this is going to come with a lot of emotions attached. This is going to come with unnecessary drama, things I don't want to deal with. And again, I think it boils down more to if he's the man who even has options, if he's a desirable man, I think he's less willing in most cases to move forward when she's expressing those kind of desires, all right? If he's a man who typically does not have many options, doesn't have many opportunities, then yeah, he's like, I can't run away from this just because she likes me. I gotta move forward because again, where am I gonna have this opportunity again? So I think that's what differentiates for a lot of guys whether they'll move forward or not. But yeah, a lot of men don't want that pressure of she really wants something real and I know for a fact I'm not here for that. You know, which is why you'll see examples of the man who wants something casual, he doesn't want to get into deep emotional conversations with you, all right? Because again, this creates a level of attachment, a emotional burden, so to speak, and it requires parts of him that he is not prepared to give you and doesn't desire to give you. So the more you are standing in your truth as a woman about what you desire and what you want, Again, it doesn't guarantee it scares away every man who's not serious, but it's going to weed them out a lot easier than holding back. And I'll say this, at the very least, it's much more effective than playing along and not standing in your truth. Because now when you're vague, he can assume you're on the same page as me. He can assume, oh, you, you know what this is. You just want to have some fun too, so we're good. So there's no reason for him to run away from it. Mm. And so in saying that, you're taking the assumption away and you're giving them the opportunity to either say, oh, yes, I actually am also interested or, oh, no, sorry, I actually just wanted a fling and clearly you're not ready or you're not the right person. Exactly. Because I think, I think women view men as these evil people who just want to take advantage all the time. But in reality, most men have a level of conscience that says, 
you know, I don't want to just blatantly use and take advantage of this woman when I know she so deeply wants more. You know, again, we hear the horror stories, but they don't represent the majority of men. Now, we could argue they might they might represent a higher percentage of very desirable men. That's a fair argument. But I just think that a lot of men in the face of that woman being honest about what she wants and him knowing that he doesn't want the same, it's, it's just harder. It's a lot harder to continuously move forward. But again, it's not just stopping there for the woman. You have to pay attention to, all right, is he showing up in this process as a man who wants something serious? Are you guys spending time? Is there conversation? Is there more to this than just, hey, are you free today? Let's hang out. Or, hey, let me come over. You know, is there more to it than that? If not, then there's reason to believe that he just wants to have fun. Mm, yeah. And I've also heard you say that if, um, if a guy is looking for something serious, you pretty much know it from almost day one. For the most part, I think so, yes. I think, again, the, the pursuit of a man who just wants sex is typically going to look a little bit different from the man who wants a relationship because the man who just wants to have fun or something casual, he wants the most for the least. Basically, whatever least amount of effort I have to give here to still get what I want, that's the goal. Whereas the guy who is serious about you, he's like he's prepared to pour in in all the different ways. And, and I think that's why it's so important for women to not only stand in their truth about what they want as far as the seriousness of the relationship, but what you need as far as how he shows up in this relationship. Because the guy who's serious about you, if, for example, let's say a lot of women complain about men texting too much in today's world, where it's not enough phone conversation or in-person uh, conversation. And I've, I've heard some women, I know of women who cut men off because of that, because their mindset is, well, he's a grown man, he should know better. And I always say, no, you can't assume that, especially in today's world where he may have dated women before you who loved texting, who preferred texting as a method of communication. So he's not going to just know that that's an issue for you. But in you expressing that issue, now you're going to see where he really stands. Because if you let a man know how you feel and he dismisses you, makes excuses or does not correct the action, but continues to pursue you, that's not a man trying to be serious with you. But if he's always making the corrections, hearing you out, discussing the issues, there's much more reason to believe this guy is serious. Mm. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easier easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it, especially if 
you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. And I assume also, though, that what he's texting would make a difference. Like if he's texting, hey, you free for dinner tonight, I'd love to take you out versus, hey, you free tonight, I'll come over and I'll bring the bottle of wine and the candles. So I want to say yes and no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Only because, so here's another issue and this kind of goes left a little bit. One of the things I'm finding that is creating a big disconnect in dating and relationships is we're not understanding that people communicate differently through Mm -hmm. different methods, Mm -hmm. all right? So online dating is a big thing. And a lot of women will complain about these men having no conversation ability in online dating. But I'd say to them, i say, listen, I'm someone that can have a conversation with anyone, but I'm horrible if you try to talk to me on any platform, social media, online, because I don't like all this small talk. I don't like this condensed version of me having to type. It doesn't allow me to just be free and speak. So how I'm going to come across online and in person can be very different. I think the same thing applies to even text. There are some people who do texting, they may be very uh, short with their answers, with the way they speak, there's no depth, but that doesn't really define how they are in person. And I think, unfortunately, we live in this world that has gotten so into unnatural ways of communication. I say unnatural because once upon a time, none of this existed. You could only talk to a person face to face, even phones like, Phones at one time seem so normal and natural, and they're cool, but they don't tell the full story. We need more in-person conversation. So back to your point of what he texts, to a certain degree, yes. But I do think this is where we have to look at the overall picture. Because if he talks like this in text, but when in person, he has more depth to conversation, he's more willing to go deeper into these different topics and address issues, then I'm willing to give him a pass on how he's texting you, you know? But if he's consistently short like that, and consistently maybe, let's say, all he ever wants to talk about is sex, then yeah, mm-hmm. clearly he's not being serious. Yeah. Um, I love that breakdown. But also... um. Text seems to be a great way to breadcrumb people. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's like um, they ghost you for a while and then they'll just shoot you a text thinking of you. Yeah. And so that <laughs> makes you think, right? Because there is that moment almost of like adrenaline rush when you look at your phone and you see that person's name mm-hmm. and they've texted you. Um, so talk to me about that and breadcrumbing and how, um, as we're talking about like these kind of manipulated tactics that we sadly sometimes fall for, Um, How powerful is the breadcrumbing tactic through text? So there's a lot of situations that it's not, the intention wasn't to manipulate. So what I'm thinking about now is, for example, two people talk, man and woman, they dating. Things seem to be going okay, but they kind of fall off. Maybe because, again, the woman was waiting for him to do more and step up. The man feels like maybe she's not really showing me how interested that she is. So he kind of falls off, right? And then what happens is, unfortunately, let's say he's on social media one day and she posts something to her story and she's looking so good in her story right now. And he's thinking, dang, maybe maybe I should try again, Mm. right? But again, it's not because I wanted to manipulate her or whatever. He thought it wasn't really working out. He figured, let me just back off. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And then he has this renewed desire to try again because he sees her online or some other somebody brings her up in conversation or he's just thinking about her and like, man, maybe, maybe I should give it a try. Or maybe he talked to a friend and was like, man, maybe you gave up too soon. Hit her up again. And the thing is, because we're, we can be very scary, people in general, 
texting is this very like light way of trying to reach out and check the temperature. <laughs> All right, well, let me just see if she responds to this and, and then we'll kind of go from there. So I do think that sometimes we have to be mindful. It's not always with malicious intent, right? But for the man who is a manipulator and, and is trying to uh, string you along, it is a very powerful tool, you know? And it, it, it is, does allow them to breadcrumb and drag things out a lot longer than they need to. And that's why for women, I think what's important, no matter whether he's the genuine guy or the manipulator, start with how do you genuinely feel about this man, all right? Because if there's no genuine interest or you know deep inside, he's not the right guy for me, right? Through the fact that you guys don't fit, maybe the values aren't the same, whatever the case may be, then just ignore it. I don't care if he's genuine or not. If you know he's not the guy for you, don't engage with this man. On the flip side, and I think some people aren't going to like hearing this, but they need to hear this. There are some women who try to basically let go of a man who is good for them, who might be best for them. But there was something that went wrong. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe it was just bad timing. Whatever the case may be, and a lot of people have this mentality of, well, no, an ex should always remain an ex. And it's like, not necessarily. We got to go deeper to understand what, what was the reason why things ended. Is there a good enough reason to possibly rekindle? Has the issue been resolved? So if they're reaching back out to you and genuinely you feel like, for example, there's a real connection with this man, but for whatever reason, things didn't work out the first time, you don't have to be so quick to dismiss the possibility of at least you yourself checking the temperature and seeing, okay, well, where's his head at? Have things changed? Are we in a better place to where we could move forward? Okay, there's going to be some situations, not all, but there's going to be some um, uh, scenarios that this will apply to. And there's nothing wrong with seeing how things can progress. Mm. And then how, so how do you decipher the difference between those two then? Well, again, I, I think it starts with one, what are your genuine feelings for this man? I, I think a lot of women, unfortunately, have fell in the trap of the fantasy of the man, not the reality of the man. All right. And, and not even just the fancy of the man, the fancy of the situation. So mm -hmm. their attachment to that person or that relationship was due to what they thought it could be, what they hoped it could be. If he could just fix this, if this could just change, you know, it, it's all this projecting, but not facing what is the reality here, okay? So if as a woman, you step back and you remove all the hope and dreams and you focus on, no, what is it? What's really going on here? Do we really have a good fit here? Do we have good communication? You know, how do I really feel when I'm with him? There's a lot of women, if they really thought about it, they don't even feel at peace when they're around the guy, okay? Because they can't be themselves, right? They, they, maybe he's overly judgmental um, or they know there's something deep inside. Their intuition has always told them he wasn't the guy, but for various reasons, she tried to believe this could work. OK, and, and that attachment may have grown simply by you invested so much time and energy trying to reach the fantasy that now you want to see the fruition of your work. You want to see a return on your investment and you will keep trying until you do, even though it just digs you a deeper and deeper hole. So as a woman, when you can be honest with yourself about why was I even there and why would I want to go back? All right. Now, when we start to understand if it's genuine or not, then we can get to level two of, okay, if, if we now realize this really wasn't the right place and this wasn't for the right reasons, okay, we know we need to leave it alone. But if we go deeper and we say, wait a minute, no, there was a connection. There were all these amazing things, but maybe again, we had a huge misunderstanding. Maybe the timing was bad. Um, so for example, some people aren't going to like this, but man, it's hitting my spirit, so I got to say it. You have some people who met when one or the other was separated from marriage. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in you. You don't want to date someone who is still married, separated or not, because things can go left at any moment. I've seen so many situations of people dating someone who they thought, okay, they're going to leave their partner. And then in the fourth quarter, it's like, hey, you know what? We decided we're going to work things out again. We're going to get this another try. And now they're devastated and crushed. So I do believe you want to wait. But let's say, for example, you met this person during the separation time. Clearly, the time isn't right. You break free from it. Now, someone might say to this person, well, this can't possibly be your husband if there's someone else's husband. But 
if the divorce actually happens and now they're available and they're free, why, like, why would you not revisit this if there was something there? And just because they were married does not mean something special wasn't there because the unfortunate reality is that a lot of people are married to the wrong person. You know, the, I, I think some people don't like the idea that this married individual, man or woman, could have genuine feelings for someone else, even stronger feelings than they do for their actual husband or wife. But the reality of life is this happens. This happens a lot, okay? Because again, you know, once upon a time, people only got married because they got each other pregnant, mm -hmm. all right? Not because they truly loved each other, not because they were truly on the same page. Family pressure, societal pressure, all right? You have some people who got married because they felt like their clock was ticking and this was the best available option and they just figured, all right, let me just move, move forward with this. But again, there wasn't genuine connection and deep feelings. So it's almost expected that at some point they might meet someone else that they have real feelings for, all right? And it, it, it's a very, you know, tricky situation. But again, I'm not saying to pursue it while they're still married. But I am saying it's an example of right person, wrong time, where they needed to come out of their situation before you two can now move forward and actually come together. Oh, God, that was so strong. And uh, thank you. I always love it how honest and transparent <laughs> you are, even if people don't necessarily <laughs> like to hear it. Um, I'm always looking for the truth. Um, I think because I was trying to project why would that be so then that if you were dating someone that they said, hey, look, we're separated. And to your point, like if they're then finally divorced, why wouldn't you get back together? I think you start to replay what they said, were they like, and then potentially question, were they actually honest? Was it just a reason to get me into bed while they were still married? Now I'm the other piece. I definitely don't want to be the other, you know, the, the side piece. And so it's the, almost the protection mechanism to them be like, this person has this memory. And so I'm better to push them away than to assess what happened and then potentially revisit. Some people have worked so hard to detach from that person ah. that now that they've, they feel like they finally did it and now this person comes back in their mm -hmm. life and they're like, I don't, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to go through the potential because what if this doesn't work out? What, what if they, I'm wrong? What, what if they're not as serious as I think they are? What if this is just a rebound for them? There's so many questions and doubts that can now play in your head because you're looking for reasons to validate not going back into the, the fire, so to speak, okay? And, and I think that that fear is what has caused a lot of people to not reconsider situations that actually may be best for them, okay? As well as it could be also if, for example, you were dating this person while they were separated, and you had all these friends and family telling you, you're stupid, what's wrong with you? You know, blah, 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 putting all these negative things in your head. And now that you're, you're you know, they're divorced and you've moved on or whatever, you don't want to deal with their, the outside noise uh, and all the people, how they're going to look at you because you went back to this guy. Because to them, it might be like, well, he dated you when he was still technically married. He's clearly not a good man, right? Mm -hmm. Or what if, what if he did not tell her every detail of the situation? So for example, okay, they were separated, but he didn't tell the woman they were still living in the same house. Oh right? yeah, that, that's done. I'm, I'm moving see, on. There's no freaking way. <laughs> okay, now here's the thing though. And, and I am not in any way validating a lie. Sure. But I, I want to say this. I do think everyone before they're so quick to demonize people who tell a lie. <laughs> Just now, I'm like, fuck that dude. <laughs> the thing is, I always say, I say this at my events. Has anyone ever not told any kind of lie in their relationship. Of course. Exactly. So is it far-fetched to say, wait a minute, it's not that this guy is this horrible, evil guy. It's that he was afraid that when he met you, if he gave you those details, he wouldn't even have the opportunity. Doesn't make it okay. Doesn't make it acceptable. But it also doesn't mean he's this horrible man that you should never reconsider if things change. You see? But we hold on to the hurt of that, maybe that one lie or whatever it was. And again, we use it as fuel to say, don't go back, don't go back, don't go back. But we're not looking at the overall picture, you know? Because on the flip side, the guy who's not for you, the guy, the relationship that was not meant for you to even entertain, it's not just one thing to point to. It's tons of things you can point to. 
All right. So to me, it's the overall picture that will tell you or at least give you some insight as to is this something to reconsider or is this someone who just never belonged in my life? So I definitely hear the point you're trying to make. Like we are very quick to make assumptions, to dismiss, uh, label people, right? Mm -hmm. Good, bad, toxic, great guy, you know, things like that. Um, And there's so much nuance to that. And I think that's obviously what you're saying. But the thing for me is like when it's such a big lie, like living with somebody while you're still married, that you're so right. Like as I'm saying it out loud, because it's like if they were sleeping in different rooms, if they had both agreed on it, if she knew he was dating, then the story does change a little. It, 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 I, it was I, was like, I was like, going to push back on you. I'm like, actually, you've got a point. <laughs> exactly. The details matter. The details matter. And again, it's just a matter of, listen, we, we all, i give you a perfect example. There's a woman who just came to me at the event and she said, uh, she's widowed, right? And she said, well, how soon should I tell a man that I'm widowed? And I said, well, you don't have to announce it, but if, if questions about your previous relationship comes up, just be honest. And she said, well, I just, this guy just recently asked me, um, do I still have a relationship with my child's father? And I said, yes. Mind you, the child's father has passed away, right? Now, is this an evil woman because she lied to him? It, it, did she do this with malicious intent? No. She was afraid because she felt that every time she told someone she was a widow, it created this problem in, in the relationship or they felt uncomfortable about things. So in her fear, she she did the wrong thing. Now, I told her, I said, listen, you should go back to him and let him know that and just tell him, listen, I, I lied. This is the reason why. All right. So granted, if she does take those actions, that will that's a little bit better. But just as we just gave the example with the guy who's being separated, we're humans. We make mistakes. In moments, we get scared. And in that fear, sometimes we tell a lie or we don't give the whole truth. Again, I don't want anyone to think I am validating lies. And I'm not saying it's okay. I am saying we have to be mindful of not, again, trying to paint this person as this horrible individual or not capable of being in a healthy relationship because they made that mistake. You know, again, what is the overall picture? Because if he's really a bad guy, he's a bad guy in more ways than one. Bad men, toxic, truly toxic men, don't, don't just do this one little thing wrong and everything else amazing. That's not usually the case. They do multiple things. They may be multiple little things. They may be multiple thing, big things. But there's usually multiple areas that they're not showing up properly, okay? Same thing, if someone's a bad friend, they're usually a bad friend in multiple little ways or multiple big ways, but it's not just one little small thing, but they're amazing in every other way. So look at the overall picture because if they are amazing in so many other ways, then to me, that's more reason to believe this one little issue is fixable. Yeah, because I think we very often, not just women, but men, we just, we have a story in our head about what that means, right? When Mm -hmm. someone does X, Y, and Z, this is what it means. And I think that so much of that comes from our own background, our own traumas, our own experiences. But I do understand like there's that weird dynamic between asking somebody, okay, well, maybe instead of me judging you, maybe I need to hear you out. Yeah. I think the fear, to your point earlier, about if someone's been hurt, if someone's like finally done all the work to let this person go, in hearing someone out, it gives you the opportunity to be susceptible. Susceptible doesn't mean they're going to manipulate you or use certain tactics, but it becomes more susceptible now for them to lie again and then maybe trick you or you feel tricked. And now you've kind of got this like um, continuous loop where you're not able to break free. So sometimes when you've built the strength, it's easier to walk away than to be open to the discussion of why X, Y, and Z happened in the first place. Yes. And so I think that goes to we haven't strengthened ourselves to be able to trust our ability to navigate that situation, all right? And so, again, to split it up into believer and non-believer, because I know there's, you know, various different audience types. If you're a believer, then you strengthen it through being able to include God in the process. Are you praying about it? Are you asking God if you should entertain this? Because, again, a lot of people are making that decision uh, uh, not including God and not asking God, should I take that phone call? Should I, should I sit down and talk to this person? Should I reconsider this individual? They're just reacting off their emotions or other people's opinions on the situation. Even if you're not spiritual, it's still a foundation within yourself of understanding. If someone is not the right fit, regardless of what they say or don't say, I will be able to stick to that principle and not fall back into this cycle. 
All right. So again, hearing them out doesn't make them good for you. All right. But understanding what's going on, where they stand, and then seeing are we in alignment or not, then I can determine if we can proceed or not. If I am still struggling with being able to handle conversations like that without letting the wrong person back in, that means there are things within me I have not healed and resolved. Plain and simple. Because once you are healed, you see everything so much clearer. And I I have to say this because there are some people listening to this who will say, well, no one is ever truly healed. That's nonsense. Everyone can heal. It is possible to truly, fully heal. Now, granted, there will always be new experiences in life that can create a new hurt or a new trauma. However, what I have seen is that once we resolve those deeper traumas, especially those childhood traumas, right? Once we face them, resolve them, flush, and we heal from that, nothing hurts us the same like it used to. Because in healing, we we create this new mindset and perspective of things. So for example, part of healing is understanding a lot of what people do is due to their own issues within themselves they haven't resolved. So it's the whole hurt people will hurt people, okay? And when you understand that on a deeper level, you internalize less because you don't take things as personal anymore because you know this action is reflective of their deeper issues, not of me, so to speak, right? So now when the next person does something, you don't take it as personal like you did those other times before you healed. So now it doesn't linger as long because now you know the the, the method in which to flush things out of your system. You're more aware of not suppressing and holding things in. So you may always have new battles to face, but you are so much stronger in being able to navigate them and handle them. So I do think that people have to understand you can fully heal. Most people just have not have not fully healed because they haven't fully resolved. And so you'll have people say, well, I've been to therapy for years and, and I've done X amount of work and I don't want to ever dismiss the efforts they made. I, I applaud them. That's awesome. But a lot of people have taken certain actions and they learned how to cope and manage, not how to resolve and fully heal, okay? And so what happens is, and even if you flush some of it out, you still have things lingering, which is why now you get in this new relationship and something happens and you're triggered. Triggers are signs of things still lingering within you. They aren't just, oh, this is who we are, this is what happens. No, that means something's still there. You should not still be getting triggered. So you have to go deeper. And that's the part people don't like because they feel like, well, I already did all this work. Okay, but you got more to do, you know? And if you really want to get to that place of being at a greater level of peace and and going back to what we were talking about, not having the fear of falling for the wrong people anymore and falling back into negative cycles, you've got to go all the way in to resolve those past issues and fully heal. Mm. And do you think then the fear is a sign that you haven't done that work yet? Yes. Or completely? Absolutely. When people ask me, well, how do you know you have healed? One of the first things I say is when you are willing to be fully open and vulnerable to love, you've healed. Mm. Because a lot of people, they want love, but they don't want to be fully vulnerable to it. They want to put a piece of their heart. They don't want to put their whole heart on the table. All right. They're still in this very protective, defensive mode. You can't experience the fullness of it if you don't let it all out and and allow your heart to be fully exposed. And people may say, well, but then you can get hurt. Yes. But if you understand how to handle things, that hurt is not, it's almost like it go before hurt for you, before you get healed, getting hurt is like re-breaking your arm over and over and over again. Once you heal once and you're not open, Getting hurt is like getting scratched. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to go away. It'll be fine. Or maybe a bruise to the arm. But you're going to be fine. And you know you'll be fine. If you survived all the other experiences, why won't you survive this one? You're still here. You're good. But now you're going to be doing it with a better mindset, a better understanding, a better level of awareness. You have nothing to worry about. But if you keep holding back, you're robbing yourself of the chance to experience the fullness of love. That's why I always say the same walls you have up to protect you are the same walls blocking your blessings. All right? You can't live this life in fear. And and going back to people who are believers, you either live in fear or you live in faith. You got to choose one. You can't keep doing both. That's so true. I've also heard you say when it comes, like as we're talking about matters of the heart, we will put rules in place to potentially protect us from ever getting hurt again. But I've heard you say that 
we often will put up walls, but more for the people that we don't like. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about that and then how we actually start to um, not just dictate it based on how we feel about someone, but more about our integrity and how we actually want to show up every day um, and more have concrete boundaries than just rules, depending on how we're feeling. Yes. So as far as we, we have make rules for the people we don't like, we're, we're always going to be more flexible the more we like somebody. So it's almost like, all right, you can have a woman and a guy tries to talk to her and she's not really that interested, but she figures, okay, I'll give him a chance, right? So with that guy, the type of restaurant or place he takes you on that first date, she's going to be more scrutinized. All right. How he how he shows up every little thing, because you were already having to convince yourself to even give him a chance. So you're almost looking for is he going to prove me uh, right or make this worth my while? Or is he going to show me that this was never worth my time and I should have never given him an opportunity? Now, let's flip it. She meets a guy that she from the jump is like, oh my gosh, I really like this guy. Man, she doesn't care if y'all went out for coffee. <laughs> she doesn't care if you took a walk in the park because she's just happy to finally be able to engage with this man and have an opportunity for something more to come. So she's much more flexible and, and men do it too. Everybody is much more flexible with people they really like or even people they're very attracted to, all right? It's just this natural human nature thing that occurs. I think what's important for people to understand is before you start creating rules, you have to make sure that this is this person in alignment with my values and desires. Because I think that sometimes we're trying to put rules on people who may not fit your life and it's only going to blow up in your face later. So what I mean by that is this. Let's say I'm a man. And I want a woman who, like you have a lot of men nowadays that talk about, they don't want a woman that goes out all the time, right? They want a woman who's more just at home, chill, doesn't have to, you know, be out there in the streets, so to speak, right? (laughs) And so if he meets a woman that he really likes, and now he enforces this rule on her, but deep inside, she's a woman that likes to be out. She likes to go dancing. She likes to just, you know, see and, and explore and all these different things. And you'll have this woman who will try to accommodate this man's rules, but then go against her true desire. And it might work at first, but at some point it creates a conflict. And so now here's what will happen. And this happens in so many marriages. In that conflict, it's going to come out in different ways. It will either be her not being happy with herself, right? Because she felt like she's lost herself. She doesn't know who she is anymore. That can lead to her depression. So now that negative energy starts to pour over into the relationship. All right? And she's dimmed her light for somebody else. Exactly. Or it may come out in resentment towards him. All right. Because in her mind, I'm not allowed to be myself. I'm not allowed to do the things that I like. And it's your fault that I can't. All right. She's shifting it on to him, even though she has to embrace the responsibility she had in accepting that choice. But that's how it may come out, all right? And either way, whichever way it comes out, it starts to deteriorate the relationship, all right? This is why I feel the need to mention this. Like, I've heard of some men who will talk about being with a woman that they can essentially mold. And you can even hear this from some women. And I always tell people, you can't, you should not be trying to date people you need to mold. Now, I want to be clear. Molding is, is one thing if molding is we're learning how to love each other, how to pour into each other. And it doesn't go against who we truly are as individuals. But if molding is changing your character and making you into something you you are not, this is a recipe for disaster, all right? And what happens is you'll have these relationships where they're built on making this person something that they're not. And once that true self tries to come out, because you can only suppress the true self for so long, it blows everything up. And the other partner who did the uh, in placing the rules or placing the molding is like, well, you don't appreciate me or look at this. And it's like, no, but you're not seeing the deeper issue. They are in conflict with self and they are not happy. And that unhappiness is going to wreak all kinds of havoc. So I, to go back to the question about rules, I just think we have to be careful. First, discover who this person is as, as themselves. What, what kind of rules do they have for themselves? And are those rules for themselves in alignment with who you are and what you believe? Now, yes, we can discuss other rules and and more so, I think, other standards. It's less about rules, but more so about standards that we want to set. And we have to be honest about 
Do we want to live up to those standards? And I think it's so important for women to not fall into the trap of, I really like this guy, so let me try to be what he likes. Because if it's not who you truly are, it's not going to work in the long run. Yeah, God, that was so eloquently put. And it was just reminding me of my relationship with my husband that, yeah, like day one, I was so enamored by his personality and his character, that all the rules I had about the restaurant he was going to take me to, the car mm -hmm. he was driving, all of that <laughs> went right out the window. Yep. And he took me to like a B restaurant, which for anyone that's not in America, restaurants get rated A's or B's and then C's, they shut you down. So B's are basically as bad as it can possibly get. <laughs> and on the first day, Tom took me to a B restaurant, but I was so enamored with him and his personality that all the ideas that I had about like what type of restaurant it like if he cares about me he's gonna take me to a nice restaurant all of that went right out the window mm -hmm. and I think actually it allowed me to see him for him yeah. versus the things that he came with like a nice car a nice restaurant paying for dinner and all those sorts of things um and I like that you said standards because I think that's super important how do you start to evaluate somebody's standards then especially as you're starting to date because you're not just going to ask maybe you do just ask what their standards are <laughs> but how do you start to evaluate to see whether your standards do align so I do think we need to ask I think that's the problem we're not asking enough questions and I think one of the great ways to evaluate standards is to create scenarios and say how do you, how would you handle this you know, like I remember one time I, I was talking to someone and I said, okay, if we're at a club, if we're at two different clubs, right, and someone comes to dance with me, what, is that inappropriate to you? What, what would be your issue? Or they come to dance with you, how would you handle that? Mm -hmm. Let's understand. So it's not even just understanding what the standard is. What do we find inappropriate? You know, what is acceptable? How would we prefer our partners to handle things? Because if they would say, well, in that moment, you need to just walk away or act rudely. And, and so for someone like me, for example, if I'm out in the street and someone comes up to me, there's a lot of people that stop me. The actual me. street, not the... Yeah, the actual street. Because <laughs> I walk to the gym all the time, okay? So when I'm walking to the gym a lot, People are stopping me. People are recognizing me. They want to take a picture. Now, imagine if I had a, a partner who says, no, if any woman comes to you, you need a rejecter. I can't live that up to that standard. Because of who I am, the brand, I, I pride myself on always being positive, welcoming, loving. If you want a picture, I'm going to do that. You know, if you want me to be rude and, 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 and stand offish, I can't accommodate that. So we have to accept we wouldn't work well together, you see? And we can't find that out unless we talk about it, unless we ask certain questions. So I think there's this idea of just always going with the flow and just, you know, you'll figure it out as you go along. No, ask, ask. And I think so many people, when they say, well, you don't really know someone, like you can be with someone for years, you don't really know them. No, you don't know them because you didn't talk about things. You, didn't, you don't know them because you're not asking the deeper questions that need to be asked. So yes, I think that's how we establish what are each other's standards. And I do think, listen, some things are going to be flexible. Some people may, you might provide a new perspective that makes you say, or that makes them say, hey, okay, you know what? I see your point. All right. I think I could do it that way. You know? So that's why we have to discuss it and not just assume, well, because they already have this set standard and it's not in alignment with minds, automatically we're done. No. Once the standards have been expressed, now let's discuss them. Let's go a little bit deeper. And if we see there is no common ground, there is no, okay, adjustment to getting on the same page, now we just understand this isn't going to work.